from fostering equitable access to enhancing the classroom experience private cellular networks are transforming k12 education with the rise of digital learning tools the need for continuous reliable wireless connectivity has never been more important in this changing educational landscape can private 5g network serve as the infrastructure backbone to support various on campus and remote educational activities do school districts understand how best to leverage the transformative potential of private 5g and more importantly can it help close the stubborn digital divide in the most cost effective way let's find out Hi guys this is your host Ashish Jain and you're listening to the Alignment podcast where we go beyond the buzzwords and connect the dots between technology and its business impact meet my guest for today's podcast Jason Air the technology department coordinator for the Murray City School District Jason is a pioneer in rolling out CBRS private LTE networks at K12 schools and often called the godfather of Utah's education broadband plan He was instrumental in the very early adoption of private networks by the Murray School District. In our discussion today we will uncover the learnings from the last 2 years of private LTE deployment, how a long-time user of K12 private networks have evolved their network with the times, what advice a network pro would give to a school thinking of deploying a private network. So let me welcome Jason Air. Thank you Jason for joining me today. Thank you Ashish it's a pleasure to be here and exciting to talk about this I still call it a new and emerging technology <laughs> Let's keep it at that and see where how new it is and how emerging <laughs> it is <laughs> All right so let's go back to the beginning right I mean Murray has uh, one of the first K12 schools in the country to adopt private 4G private LTE so what was your line of thinking at that time and what made you start that initiative Sure. So so our desire to do something with a private LTE network actually wasn't Murray School District, it was a previous job I had at Garfield School District and if you're familiar with Utah, the Garfield School District covers Bryce Canyon National Park and the communities that surround it for about 100 miles. And the challenges we faced there was mobile networks weren't built out in many of those rural communities, but many of the rural communities had a school right in the middle where everybody could look out their front porch and see the school building they'd build them up high and they were a major part of the community but there was no connectivity emanating from that school out to households which had older L- DSL technology and other things so that led us to start looking at LTE and a desire to work with it back then we were looking at educational broadband spectrum which was a program that had been put on hold and we heard this technology that eventually became CBRS was coming I changed jobs and moved to the city and Salt Lake City area in 2017 and continued to see that that the homework gap was happening in this urban area I'm at now versus the rural area I came from and still like to look back from time to time and to see if there were still ways to help students and given that we watched the CBRS technology get a name we watched the what is now the Onglo alliance get formed and early on it became apparent that Ruckus Wireless was going to be one of the players and Ruckus was someone that K12 knows well and does a lot of business on the Wi-Fi side so through my Wi-Fi contacts and through the sales team there we were able to gain an understanding of early on of what Ruckus was doing with LTE and in 2019 
the staff who were doing the private LTE at Ruckus helped us get an STA from the FCC. And we were able in 2019 to be the first K-12 really in the world because shared spectrum was being led by the United States as well at that time. We became the first school district K-12 in the world to do that. And we started with our high school. We have one high school in our district, Murray High School. And we started looking at Class A devices at the time, which were as powerful as you could get. And we received some of the first devices off the production line. And I think the funniest thing is we hung the radio upside down and we invited the product manager out to speak at a conference a couple months later. This would have been the April timeframe with the June conference. And when Juan Santiago arrived in June, the first thing he did, he laughed and he says, you've hung that upside down. And, and so we went outside and quickly flipped it over. But, but it was very interesting to see what it was like to roll out a new technology that we had devices that were coming so new and so fast and furious that, that we either had to take them apart to figure out how to put the SIM cards in them or that we had to, like with the radios, we had to make sure that we understood the antennas and hung them correctly. The most exciting thing for us starting with LTE was that we could actually hang security cameras in parts of our campus where students weren't doing appropriate things and also where we had a bunch of cars and driver's ed equipment. And so we were able to quickly hang cameras there. And I'm happy to say those cameras we put up in April of 2019 have stayed connected to our DVR over at the school through the LT connection for going on four and a half years now. And we found that this technology has worked very well with the first use case we could find that we needed, which was to try and put something a little bit out of the range of fiber and not have to dig up our parking lot, but be able to receive the additional security we needed to protect our our students and to protect our assets, so to speak. Okay, so I, I have to process that. <laughs> that is That is an amazing story. I mean, I actually did not know that... You've been looking at this way before this was actually a technology coming into existence. So way, way back, 2017, you said, when you started looking at it and you tried using EVS uh, for this particular purpose. And in 2019, you implemented it. That's a lot of, uh, <laughs> lot of time here. And it, I'm, I'm actually amazed. It's quite a journey, absolutely. And I'm, I'm actually quite amazed because most of the time when we talk about K-12, right, in general, the first thing that comes to mind for everyone, for anyone, is, hey, this is about closing the digital divide. I mean, that's definitely the case, but your use case is connecting video cameras, the first one. So that's an interesting shift uh, of, yeah. of how you're using the technology, which a lot of people still think is a, is a, is a more cutting-edge technology now that they can use the private network for. So tell us more about your experience of using LTE for video cameras and how has that evolved and matured over the last four years? Sure. Probably the real question inside of there is, why didn't we close the digital divide? And the quick answer to that was we had a very limited STA that only went a half a, I think it was a couple kilometers from the high school. So that didn't really allow us to reach off campus very far. And we were using a class A radio we had hung upside down. And because of that, we weren't ready to close the homework gap right away. But what we were ready to do were to explore what we could do with a lower powered radio on campus. 
And we did get the radio turned over, as I mentioned. The cameras ran even better when we had the antennas pointing the right way as designed. The security cameras, we made a decision, and I'm not saying if it was the best or not, but we made a decision to try and put the most work on the circuit we could, which was putting the camera on the end of the LTE connection and then the DVR on the other side of our private network and stream the video, which would send the most and use up the most signal, but we were really trying to explore. Suddenly we had this private use case of a technology that we were so used to having limited with, you can't download apps, you have to use Wi-Fi, all those kind of things. All of a sudden we could do anything we wanted with it. And so we thought, well, why don't we give this the real test? And we actually put more than one camera on the other end of the end user device. And at the time, we had available to us, because this would have been 2019, we had cradle point devices available to us and buy cells devices, and we were able to explore each of the platforms for camera use, and put. we did put more than one camera behind them by adjusting the network address translation, so that one IP address on the EUD could actually serve cameras on different ports, and what we found was that we had a very nice, consistent signal. We found that it stayed up. We did, there's always questions of latency, especially when you're watching the camera live, how much uh, lag or delay or whatever may be happening on that. And what we found was by comparing Wi-Fi and LTE, we found that the latency on LTE was very consistent. It was a little bit higher than Wi-Fi. It was, it was between 30 and 40 milliseconds, which is very appropriate for this type of technology. And we found that we could watch the cameras live and consistently on LTE, that it kind of looked like a flat line as you measured and looked at that technology over time, thinking at a network level. With Wi-Fi, when you're trying to do the same thing, you'll it'll look more like an analog sound with lots of peaks and lots of valleys. And some of those Valleys were low, most of them were lower than the flat line of LTE, but those ones that got really high spiked up pretty high to the point where you would lose signal or the camera would blink out. And so because of that, we found LTE to be the better technology to do security. And of course, being in education, we've been using security cameras for years, not just to help with campus security, but also this particular camera sits by our driver's ed cars and also in an area where students were, were trying to do things they shouldn't, and shining that camera on it helped make that not happen there anymore. Wow. Wow. So how many cameras are we talking about connecting over LTE network now? So as of today, I think we have five at different schools. We usually keep just a couple on because we're not trying to push the limits and we always want to wire a camera in when we can. There are some cameras that aren't security cameras that we use for football games and other things that we only use while the game's going, and that's worked well for us over the LTE circuits. We are trying and we are waiting. We've been told we'll be able to beta test an integrated LTE camera soon, and I'm very excited to see the vendors out there starting to listen to us this happens to be the one vendor we're looking at, Horizon, happens to be a vendor that builds CPE and end-user devices that's looking at integrating the camera for us. I was hoping to get people in the camera industry to listen to us, but that's been a challenge. Even talking with people at the trade shows, there isn't a lot of belief on the camera manufacturer side that they're going to be able to do it. 
but we're excited to see products getting close to market. We're hopeful that as an LTE integrated camera comes to market, and especially with the solar option, that this will help us to be able to look at either the far edges of our campus better or be able to even, like we have one school in particular where if we could have a camera on the crosswalk that the principal could watch, it would help as well. And our school resource officer. That's amazing. No, definitely. I've started to see a lot more devices getting mature on the integration of the LTE technology and in particular CBRS technology as an integrated band that they can support. You know, I think this ecosystem will will grow definitely in the up in the coming months or coming years. And may I make one more comment, Ashish? I cannot imagine I mean I've seen some articles talking more about security and less about K twelve that there are companies that are shutting stores down due to problems with theft. And if an LTE integrated option on a private network where you can hang up one simple antenna pretty easily to get out to your parking lot, I can't think of any business who would not take this use case and use it appropriately to look back at their building versus what's happening now, especially if you can take the amount of time that it takes and not have to dig your parking lot up and either be able to pull because light posts usually have power, either pull the power from the light post or even easier, just hang something solar on there. It's funny you said that. We I had another podcast where we talked exactly just about that use case. And that use case is is not limited, like you said, just for K-12. I mean, it's across industries. I mean, thinking about gas stations, retail outlets. I mean, anyone who has a distributed enterprise where they need security enhancements through video technologies. And the interesting part, which I always talk about, is the the video analytics technology has also evolved and matured quite a bit with the AI-based computer vision models that are available now. So a lot of this doesn't even need actually a very sophisticated camera to do the video analytics. The analytics, to your point, like the DVRs, where the video is streamed, that analytics can actually happen in the cloud somewhere or in the within your premise. So you don't need a fancy camera that does the analytics. You just need a camera that can connect to a cellular network. And once you're able to stream all that video feed, all kinds of analytic models can be implemented to you know, detect if the student is doing something, if a theft is happening, somebody's not entering the right door, somebody's not wearing the, you know, the right gear while you know, performing their job. All sorts of things can, can be done once this, this ecosystem exists. And not to be too dramatic, but we are working with our state office of education to implement analytics that would look for certain types of assault weapons and other things on our live video streams. That's great, right? It's definitely a work with this use case. Yeah, gunshot detection. Another big use case, not just video analytics, about audio analytics. Yeah. Is how can you detect certain type of sounds and certain type of, you know, help people are requiring or somebody's fallen. All, all sorts of use cases I'm looking at, right, in terms of what's going on in this particular space. So, I call you like a much more advanced. Typically, I normally ask people, okay, beyond COVID, what is, what's next for K-12? I'm like, okay, I'm going to say, okay, um, beyond video, what next? <laughs> so so our, our original intent was to try and close the homework gap. And what we learned was that Class B radios were coming back in 2019. To move the story along in the timeline, the technology became publicly available in 2020 and 2020 also brought with it the pandemic, which was really 
interesting for us because the pandemic took the homework gap and it it really changed our view of it. What we found was that even people who had internet, and Utah is notorious for having large families, and we have an area that's got a lot of households with not just multifamily dwellings, but but houses with large families. And we found that in families when there were three or more kids at home went into our hard closure, that their internet was struggling to keep up with them. The, the internet providers had had a forecast and a model, and they started running low on bandwidth when not only all the kids came home, but mom and dad came home. In many of these households where the families are spread out, their kids are spread out in age, they might have kids in high school and kids in preschool or even younger, and sometimes you need Netflix to help keep those kids going when we're all locked inside the house, so to speak. So we, our whole view of the homework gap changed, and it changed just not based on economic need, but it changed based on the physical capabilities of the internet service provider. Not, and, you know, the fiber technologies and all those things were fine, but if the ISP didn't have the full capabilities, then you were running into problems. And a lot of our people are served by DOCSIS and cable technology, which is a great technology until you put all customers online at the same time. And so because of that, we realized we needed to model and prepare to serve families with more than three kids and students with a high economic need. Working in K-12, one of the benefits we have is that we do have an understanding of how many kids at least are enrolled in our schools in a family. We also have economic data based on the free and reduced lunch program. And so we were able to use, uh, I actually ended up using Bing Maps, much to my surprise, and Microsoft's Power BI. I was able to use those tools together and I was able to create a model that showed our school district and where the families with three or more kids were clustered. I was able to do the same thing and show the economic need and then I realized I had these two models, but how do I look at them together? And years and years of playing with Photoshop as a toy, suddenly I realized I could just put them in Photoshop, make the economic needs a little bit lighter, if you will, or more transparent and set them over top of each other. And what we did was we found that our district boundaries told us a story of where the economic need was. Two other great things happened at that time. ESSER funds were released, which gave us the money we needed that we'd never had before to just buy what we needed. And this was an appropriate use case. There were federal waivers as well that helped us get off campus without has being hassled. And Class B radios came out with a directional antenna. So everything we had been doing on a Class A radio with a 360-degree antenna, just taking and pointing the signal... The great thing about pointing the signals is that we understood our student population and our physical geography so that we knew where we needed to triage and what areas we needed to cover. And that's what we did was we started getting Class B radios. We started getting the standard 65-degree antennas. We were putting non-penetrating roof mounts on our building. And this was something that my staff, who were very experienced with Wi-Fi and installing cameras on the outside of buildings, we found most of the wiring was already there ready for us. And we were able to quickly, meaning in about a month and a half, 
actually turn on a private class B LT network in place of our class A and be able to, we just went in the order of triage, pointing those sectors around our district. And suddenly we were able to send devices home. The interesting roadblock we hit was that a chip shortage was occurring that we didn't know about. And so we found ourselves in this time where we had funding to do things we'd never dreamed of. But what can you buy? And went to some of our manufacturers, and I'm not going to name them because it's kind of embarrassing. We put in an order for 500 of some of the prototype devices we've been playing with since 2019. And we were told that we had 50 of these devices and we're not knowing when we can make more. And so we went and checked the entire vendor space and we found and pleasantly found that Cradle Point was ready and that Cradle Point had already manufactured and had devices in stock that would help us. Of course, Cradle Point out of everything was a pretty expensive high-end option. And I never, ever dreamed in my wildest dreams I'd have access to their NetCloud technology. But what ended up happening was Cradle Point saw what we were doing. They came to the table and we ended up buying enough devices to cover our households with three or more kids and economic need. And it took our, we had student interns actually assemble the devices. They came in about 10 parts. And within about three months, we were ready to serve everybody who was ready for us. And that was about the time school was getting ready to end. We were able to push out about 60 devices into households quickly, had many happy families. We did find the limits of CBRS, even with Class B, was that this was springtime, the leaves were on the trees, and we did find that there were some places where the trees were taller than our radios that we hadn't even thought about. And also with the way the antennas point, the up and down part of the antenna signals, that we may have had things tilted just a little differently or things like that. We found there were places we weren't able to catch. And so we've been working over time to fix that. The the pandemic in Utah did not stretch out as far as other places. Our governor and our legislature mandated that in the 2021-22 school year, that students wear masks and go back to school in person. And so we didn't use, we didn't get the need of the households with three or more kids. That kind of fell off as one of our most pressing needs in the homework gap, and it went back to just economic need. So we went back to the map with just the economics and tried to fine-tune the network in that area. We found a couple places, some that were near a light rail system that's electric we found the interference from that was causing some of the families to just not be able to receive a service we liked. And the interesting thing is, in the middle of all this, we discovered that our city government, and we're Murray City School District, but we're separate from our city government, that our city government had put in a 180-foot tower for law enforcement and had taken the equipment off when that went digital. And so we found this empty tower in the middle of our city. We engaged with our mayor and city council and found unbelievable support and were able to get permission to go on what we affectionately call the chief's tower. And we were able to take the kind of the second generation radios, if you will, the, the bicells, I think it was the 840 series that have a four by four MIMO instead of a two by two. And we were able to put those up 
we did some modeling with some pretty talented people at the Utah Education and Telehealth Network and decided not to go up the full 180 feet, to go up 105 feet so that the low power didn't really wear off. We were high enough above all the trees and even the freeway to make a difference. And we put that in last spring, and now our network's doing some pretty amazing things for us. Another use case emerged from us. Interesting enough, it does involve cameras, but it's the cameras on our school buses. We realized with Cradle Point and the extra devices we had from our first rollout that we had a device that would work inside every school bus. We received some security funding from the state and used some of that security funding to actually put DVRs in all of our school buses. And we kind of changed our video recording, if you will, the other direction. We were able to now peek into the bus and look at the DVRs inside the bus. And now every one of our school buses has a cradle point with private LTE. And if there's a problem happening in real time, we can actually look at the cameras inside the buses in real time. The great thing is that also helped us with Cradle Point's capability, understand exactly where our network was and wasn't with these buses driving the perimeter of our district every day. And we are trying now to look and see ways we can we can solve some problems in places where we haven't been able to. And, and those would be places with yeah. multifamily, several stories, six to eight story family units that are all close together next to the light rail line. And aren't in a place where we can really find a good tower to get above them. Unfortunately, we don't have a chief's tower on that side of our community. So the chief's tower that you're using, is that now used to connect the LTE network that is provided in the buses and homes? Or is there a very specific purpose for it? So the main purpose of it was to help us reach some of our economically challenged neighborhoods where the trees These were older neighborhoods built in the 50s and 60s where they have very mature trees and very tall trees. Most times the trees are taller than the house. And so what we had to do was find a way to get above the trees. Our initial Class B rollout was using non-penetrating roof mounts on the edge of our school buildings. And usually the auditorium or the gym in our school building was, was tall, but it wasn't taller than the trees in some of these neighborhoods. And so our purpose for using that tower was to get above the trees where we couldn't. Interesting. Now, I see people come and start painting the picture for schools without understanding, actually goes in into different verticals. And sometimes we hear use cases, and I'm equally guilty of that, is enhanced learning, AR, VR coming in, immersive learning. Do you ever see that happening in private network playing a role in that? The 30 milliseconds to 40 milliseconds latency is okay for AR and VR. We have some coding courses that play around with it. And to be quite honest, the Wi-Fi has been fine for that. The one use case that we have not, that's somewhat related, but but is different, that we could not do on 4G based on the latency was eSports. Okay. We are looking towards 5G to help us get the latency down, hopefully between 9 and 18 milliseconds. And and there have been physical changes to the protocols at a very technical level that are allowing that. And we have had some vendors in a laboratory setting and even in a laboratory setting in our building show us that they think and are going to be able to achieve that with 5G. Our hopes for esports. There's a couple reasons why we are hoping that becomes kind of the next generation use case for that. 
And, and one of the main reasons is the pandemic left us with students who were not engaged and students who were able to have their buildings shut down and completely disconnect. And some of them, even years later, are still not fully engaged, like students who would not have had an interruption like our students had. And esports is a way to bring an extracurricular activity that helps anyone, regardless of their physical capability and even their mental capabilities, honestly. We have just as many uh, special ed and other students who really find the the gaming to be an escape for them and can still be competitive with it. And so we're finding that as a tool to reach and engage our students. Our problem is if we make it too available on our networks, it starts to interfere with education during school. The kids want to play games on their Chrome. <laughs> what the benefit of having 5G do for us, first off, is it puts it in a different world than their Chromebooks touch. It keeps it out of reach, so to speak. But yet the wireless nature and also the portable and mobile nature allows our esports coaches to take end user devices and that becomes a virtual gym, so to speak. It gives our coaches the keys to the gym. It also allows the esports people to do things, maybe not just in the esports room, but in other parts of the school. And long term, I think the success of esports kind of like a school musical or other extracurricular activities, will be the ability to sell tickets to see an event or to sell food in an event like we do in our athletic activities. And having a mobile 5G network that serves the common areas, the gym, the auditorium, and the esports classroom would actually open that entire school up for the coach to be able to maximize the income for that program to perpetuate it in any part of that building. And that really is the 5G use case that we're looking forward to. Um, we've been told the beta radios are coming next month and next month and next month. And I actually think they really are coming next month. And we're working with a couple of different providers to explore that. We are excited with the hardware we put on the Chiefs Tower that when the technology is ready, probably in about a year or so, that we'll be able to take that same Enode B and change it to a Genode B with a different BBU behind it. And we've installed everything preparatory and ready for that to help it help the homework gap just as much as anything else. Those are amazing use cases. Esports, I'm also looking at, you know, use cases of live streaming. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, those things are happening in actually professional sports like NFL, right? Yes. And people have started using private networks uh, for live streaming games. I mean, my son plays for high school football and I always look at it from a perspective of, hey, why aren't we live streaming this? And there are applications available for that now. And also another challenge I've noticed is the amount of work the coaches have to do to actually analyze. I mean, and they record everything and they have to go back and analyze the whole play yes. and then cut it out into individual, you know, each play and then highlight the things. I mean, going back to your video analytics use cases, I mean, that's a perfect use case for it. How can you cut out, you know, the effort for a coach to analyze these practice times and actually game times to spend more time on with the kids? Yes, and we do have cameras on our football field and our basketball courts that are doing that for us now with AI. I do think with esports, I think watching a Super Smash Brothers game of high school kids who are really good at it is harder to follow and track than a hockey game. <laughs> but it, it is live streaming is definitely another use case. 
And the great thing with 5G that it introduces is also the network slicing so that you can have a back of the house, so to speak, part of the 5G network, not competing with the front end of the house network. And then even more important with opening up these networks on a CBRS technology is that you're not taking up that space on your public Wi-Fi network, which is where all the kids who are there as spectators or other social media fanatics, which they're all seem pretty gifted in, that's where that group can actually use the Wi-Fi inside the building to perpetuate the event and to stream the event in their own way with their own commentary as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. So we're coming towards an end here, uh, Jason. I always like to understand uh, a summarized perspective from you know my guest is, how do you define success? an investment like this from a school district perspective. And what would be your advice and word of wisdom to other schools who have started to take this journey? Sure. I think there was a time in my life when I would have taken the field of dreams analogy. And pioneering this technology, we build it and then we started using it. And so for us, I I would say you don't have to do what we've done now which is build the field and then figure out what to do with it. We've done a statewide deployment with the Utah Education Telehealth Network. We have a centralized core with media breakouts, all these great things that we're understanding ways to icing the cake over and over. Uh, Like, for example, me traveling, the visiting team being able to stream through the LTE network just as much as as the home team, some of those types of concepts that are helping us do amazing things with this technology. Um, But for schools starting to do it now, find the use cases and look at use cases people are always doing. For example, we didn't set out for this to do security cameras, but it solved a problem that had been nagging at us for quite a while that we couldn't solve without great expense and time. And all of a sudden, this LTE network took care of the time and the expense. So what you may want to do is see if there are expensive things that take a lot of time that you're not doing that a wireless technology could solve. Other things to think about, the homework gap is real and be open to the use cases beyond economic need that you haven't thought of. For example, are there multifamily dwellings where the where they won't let the cable company on premise, but that's the only one who really has a network in the area? And, and I know the FCC is trying to solve that with regulation, but that regulation hasn't flowed through yet enough. And that's where we found some of our most important use cases and places to reach. The other thing is there's some interesting things knowledge-wise now, kind of going back to my trees are taller than the school analogy, is that this is a very physics-oriented technology And it's not like an FM radio station. It doesn't go through walls. It's a higher band frequency, higher frequency technology, which is the great thing is you're used to where your Wi-Fi works and doesn't. And kind of an on and off approach to Wi-Fi will help you think how LTE might work with this. The other thing is if you're just starting to use this, I do wish that there was a more portable approach. And we've talked about trying this ourselves I would love to see the industry have sell on wills on demand, for example, the cows and the colts and all those types of things, colt being a light truck. But it would be interesting, and I wished in hindsight I could have 
taken something, put up a portable tower, and looked at how it worked before I actually just deployed. And I think that you'll see more of those types of things emerge. And I think as the as the industry starts to mature, you'll see you might be able to rent something like that, kind of like construction sites are renting the cameras now, for example. And you may be able to do things for temporary events and other things. Those are kind of the next great things I think that could happen with us to help with deployment. Then you can deploy with what you know is going to happen. Those are some excellent, excellent points. And I think, uh, you know, if I may put that into, paraphrase it, it is think, look beyond, uh, you know, homework gap. I think it's, it's the end of the message, I assume. is really there, the possibilities are there. And I, and if, I hope you'd agree the technology is there. It works, isn't it? Yes, the technology is real. It's available. The chip shortages aren't what they used to be. You can actually buy stuff now. Hopefully the funding is still there for you or you can find other means and grants and other things to use for funding. The The other thought that comes to mind, Ashish, is don't be afraid if it fails. We, Especially as we piloted with multiple school districts, some districts just were not in a place where they had time to explore this and didn't really want to explore it because there were so many other competing things happening. And it's been interesting, just like we went to security cameras, which is kind of a great place to start looking. There have been other surprise use cases, like a soccer coach who wanted to use iPads and actually have the students in certain parts look at certain things. And when you learn something in place, you learn better. It was just a very talented Coach, for example, finding the best way to help his his players retain their knowledge by the use of mobile technology. There are going to be, and we will continue in our situation to explore use cases. We do document them on the UETN website. The website's uetn.org forward slash network forward slash CBRS. I know that's hard on a podcast to <laughs> we will share that. We will share that URL with the with the audience. That's a great, great resource you mentioned. And I've gone through it. It's an amazing resource, by the way. Yeah, well, that's where we are trying to help bring to the surface for education the surprising things we found, like the school buses and the DVRs on the buses, which we just stumbled upon in our district, but it's probably something every school district's seeing. So we do hope that as we continue to explore as pioneers and leaders in this technology, we do hope that we'll be able to better understand antennas and their design and things like that. Because there have been days when we've hung up radios and nothing's connected to them. And we've had to sit down and say, well, what antenna did we use? How did this really work? It has a lot to do with the way that the up and down angles work. But as we've started to explore this more, and the great thing is the products compared to 2019 now come out with documentation. And so you can see what the antenna patterns are, those types of things. You've got tools like the Google Network Planner. We're looking at advanced ways from a responsive approach to learn this with like the Wilson Network Scanner that's a simple cell scanner that's actually fairly affordable to the expensive IB Wave stuff that UEN's been exploring for us to help us do a, a next level, if you will, design of things. But you can find off-the-shelf 
tools for this now. You can find off-the-shelf unlocked devices, whether it's Apple devices, whether it's devices from Insego or devices from Bicells, BC, Multitech, and most of those now are available now that the chip shortages and, and even Cradle Point, the, now that the chip shortages are, aren't as bad as they used to. The one thing I am still struggling with is I think 5G is still a little cutting edge. And I do hope that when we finally do get access to a good off the shelf 5G product, that we're using the types of bands and the types of framing and things so that we can buy the devices. We don't have to start over again and, and have to relearn everything that's going to work with it. I hope that's not the case. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> not. It has to be an evolution from 4G to 5G yes. and, and many times it has to coexist. So thanks a lot, Jason. This was way beyond what I expected this podcast to be. Very refreshing to hear how you are leveraging the technology and you're truly a pioneer. I've not heard somebody coming from the school district that knowledgeable about implementing a technology like this. So thanks a lot. Thanks thanks a lot for your insights and, and knowledge and sharing it with our audience today. It was a pleasure. Thank thanks, Ashish. Great. Great talk, Jason. I appreciate your insights on how school districts can leverage private networks beyond closing the digital divide and homework gap. Your journey is very inspiring and it's very refreshing to hear the use cases you're implementing with private LTE and 5G. I'm sure our audience has learned a lot. Thanks once again for your time. Thanks everyone for listening. Please subscribe to the Alignment Podcast on your favorite platform. It's A-L-Y-N-M-E-N-T. We hope you will continue the conversation by asking questions and sharing your thoughts on 5G and private networks. Feel free to reach out to me at ashish.jain at kairospulse.com or drop me a note on my LinkedIn. Till next time, enjoy reading and listening to our insights and perspectives on private LTE and 5G.com.